This week on 3DX Picks. The Holy Mountain. Harry Chapin's Greatest Stories Live. The Session with Christian James Hand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Dicks Picks, the podcast where we talk about movies, music, and more. Each week, the three of us take turns picking a movie to watch, an album to listen to, and something random to discuss. My name is Greg, and as always, I am joined by Ryan. Hello. And Zane. Hey there. How is everybody holding up in this time of a global pandemic where we're all locked away in our homes uh, with nothing to do and nothing to eat? Well, <laughs> there's lots to do and lots to eat. But yeah, it's that's... all different. It's all very different. How are you guys doing? Uh, that's funny. I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. What about you, Zane? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't like it, but I'm. I'm okay. What's your favorite thing about quarantine, Zane? Um, that I can work from home and like watch something on in the background while I'm not doing anything. That's a, that's a good one. It's a real good one. How about you, Ryan? My favorite thing about the quarantine. Yeah. It would have to be that I haven't had. I haven't been forced to make a lot of changes. You know. Uh, this could have easily been a situation where I'd be like, I don't know how I'm going to put rent together this month, but luckily everybody's at least uh, as far as I understand, everybody's doing fine in that regard. What with their current situation? So it's been relatively, um, non-damaging. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I don't have a kid. I was talking, <laughs> oh my God. I was talking to my best friend the other day and it sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. I'm sure it's like just. Besides all the logistical stuff, it's just like scare, scary. <laughs> and all of the different situations, like some of these people are still have to go to the work, go to their places of business um, while their kids are do are, are who knows where, probably home, you know, um, yeah. or the people that are stuck at home with their kids and can't stand it for another moment. Exactly. You don't get any uh, reprieve. You are the teacher, the nurse, all of that. So, hey. No, thank you. Before we get into our quick picks, a little bit of a foreplay situation, just want to say this will this deems nothing on the episode, but I feel like it qualifies and maybe isn't a, even a good a bit of foreshadowing. This might be my least favorite picks for an episode we've ever done, <laughs> including my own. Wow! So ah. some sometimes that uh you know that that creates a really good episode. I just want to you know. Put that in in the listener's head right yeah. now. Greg's really maybe down this on will these be picks. a time for you to vent, Greg. Just let maybe. your anger out. Just let it all out. Um, but as far as quick picks go, uh, Zane, what have you been watching and doing and reading and eating and whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, not much, <laughs> honestly. I've been playing some games. Um, I played the final. Well, I'm playing the Final Fantasy VII remake, like I thought I might. You know, I'm a sucker for hype. You know, people are talking about something and I don't care about it. Then they're saying it's really good. And oh, wow, it's so cool. You and fell I, for the hype? Last week, we had the same conversation and you said that things that get, that get hype, you specifically avoid. I'm a fickle bitch, Greg. You know this. That is one thing I know. That is fair. <laughs> so I've been playing that. And um, the other thing you know about me, Greg, is I can't play a new thing unless I play the original thing. Did you play all six Final Fantasy games? <laughs> No, I didn't do that. 
I didn't do that. But what I did do, however many. This new Final Fantasy VII game is is not the whole a remake of Final Fantasy VII. It's just like Stop. the first part. No. So I went back and played the original Final Fantasy VII, which I never did, and I only played the first part. But still, I did <laughs> that, and I, I had never any interest in doing that before. See, this is this is an interesting scenario with your original first um, little thing you got going on Sickness, here. Yeah, because if it's the first time you're. If it, I guess it depends on what you're getting out of a, playing a video game, because if you're looking to enjoy the story in the best way possible, wouldn't you want to like, I feel like a video game is a medium that only gets better for the most part. And that anything other, any opinion other than that is just based in nostalgia. Sure. So wouldn't the best possible enjoyment of that story and that gameplay would be in the newer version? I mean, yeah, you could argue that, um, it, I mean, they've changed some things, so it's not like a one-for-one one remake. It's sort of like a reimagining. Like, mm-hmm. what if we made that game, but with today's technology? Um, but I don't know. I feel like you lose the 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 power and the context of all the changes if you're not familiar with what they're changing. You know, that's fair. And I guess if you play the lesser version second, you're less inclined to finish it. Yeah, true. Um, that. that said, I think both games are fine from what I played, but. You know, they're, 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 they're whatever. Um, I mean, it's Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's Final Fantasy. And uh, yeah, if I had played the remake or yeah, the newer one without playing the older one, um, I would just say it's fine. And I that's what I do say just because I don't I didn't grow up with that game. Um, I don't have any of the nostalgia, which I think is like kind of the main point. Right. So other than that, um, speaking of nostalgia, though, <laughs> I did play uh, Parappa the Rapper. Do you guys remember this game? Oh my god. No idea god. what that is. I recall seeing that. That was back when I was still getting uh Nintendo Power magazines. Yeah. That's like like a mid 90s super Japanese like rhythm music rhythm game. And you play music a little music rhythm game. A rhythm game. You know like DDR yeah. or um, You play a little dog. Hero. A little dog that's in love with a flower and you know, mm. you walk around and do little rap battles and dance to it. Um, it was Sounds on sale. Simple. <laughs> it was on sale for on the PlayStation Store for like three bucks. So I got it. And that was fun. Interesting. I've never actually seen it before. I only re- recall seeing it in the magazines. I, when I was a kid, I had the uh, a demo for a bunch of PlayStation games, and that was one of them. And I played the demo all the time. But <laughs> um, the other thing I've been playing is actually a game with my girlfriend. She doesn't really play games ever, really. Um, but a couple years ago we played a game called life is strange, which is sort of like a, um, it's like a, a story based game where you don't really do much other than talk to people and like make decisions. I don't know if you guys ever played mass effect where you, there's cutscenes and you like choose things. Yeah. Yeah. I've, and I've seen, uh, bits and clips from that game. Yeah. And, and so this game is like that, except it's mostly only those sorts of moments. It's dialogue. It's you walking around small environments. And then it's you talking to people, and it's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure game, and depending on what you say and what you do, it'll dramatically change the story for everyone who plays. Quick comment on that kind of gameplay. A game I've been playing has similar game functions, and I've been playing it long enough where I'm in the um, <clears throat> the add-on content, so when I get to cutscenes, I often skip through them, not realizing that I'm in one of those conversations where I'm going to have to make that kind of decision. Yeah. <laughs> and when I get to the decision-making process, you're like, like, oh, I have no idea what was happening. I no idea. It makes me really mad every time. Yeah, yeah. I've been running into similar situations on The Witcher 3. 
I've opened too many missions and now I'm trying to go back and clear some of the side stuff to kind of grind up my level a little bit. And um, in trying to find a blacksmith, I, I you, you can only see them on the map if you're like within a certain distance from them. And I was like, oh, there's one. And I ran over to it. And I was like, this is a weird place for a blacksmith. It was a mission that I had activated like a week ago and forgotten <laughs> about and was not prepared for. Like the reason I didn't go through with it was because I wasn't nearly the level I needed. But so, dis, despite the surprise, I managed to wiggle through it. So uh, what else about that game, Zane? Oh, I'm just, we played that a few years ago and she really liked it because it's not, it's more, it's like closer, almost closer to a movie than it is a game. Um, so I think that's why it connected with Sarah so much. But anyway, the, the second one came out last year and I never got to it. And, you know, Sarah and I have more free time, I guess, a little bit. Um, so we played, we're playing that together. We just finished episode three out of five today and it's fun. That's so nice. cute. Um. The only things that I've been watching are I finished up. Uh, I, I mentioned last episode, I watched Dairy Girls, which is like a a comedy on Netflix about high school girls in '90s Ireland during like that conflict, mm. the mm -hmm. civil war they were having, and that's it's fun. That I, I finished the. What'd you say? I just laughed at that conflict just so nonchalantly. <laughs> yeah, about you know a, all that stuff. <laughs> countrywide civil war. Um, um, but so I finished the first season and I liked it quite a bit. Um, so I'm looking forward to the second one. Sweet. And then I watched, um, the only movie I really watched was besides the Holy mountain was, um, I finally watched, um, the thin blue line, which is a documentary. Mm. Um, actually it's by, um, Errol Morris. Yeah. The guy, the, the father of Hamilton's pharmacopoeia. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a famous like true crime documentary about, cops and the crime and who did it and let's figure out why it's all twisted and the i think cops it, was, and the crime. it was one of those first the first of its kind i guess and that's what kind of launched all the modern day ones hmm. it's very cool. pretty um Righteous. very well shot it, it had a lot of um like dramatic recreations that you see on like shitty crime shows like that but they're really well done instead of cheesy which i thought was cool um, Sweet. Yeah, I definitely recommend watching that. And then the only other thing um, that I'll mention is, well, I'm doing work and I don't, I don't like to watch something if I'm not watching it. You know, if I'm working, I, I don't know. I've been putting on this sort of background video YouTube series um, called My Self Reliance, which is about a guy in the woods, and he just hangs out in the woods. Well, I get, he doesn't hang out, but he he does stuff. <laughs> He does stuff in the woods. Does like he live he, in the uh, woods or what's that? Does he live in the woods or is he just hanging out for the day? No, like, no. He, he, so his claim to fame, I guess, is that he does everything without power. So he, he, there's a whole series that I'm going through now where he makes a log cabin by hand without power tools. And he starts, you know, he's, he sites the area and clears it out and chops down the trees and strips them and prepares them. But he lives them. in a house. Like, I assume he lives in a society? house. He has a he has a video equipment, so I'm just, and oh, he's up, uploading this right. to the internet. Sometimes I hear about the things on YouTube, and I realize the fact that I only use YouTube really for musical related items. Yeah, but there's a whole world I don't know. About. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I love this guy because it's not it's not like him talking or him teaching you. It's just literally he set up a camera and you watch him work for like three hours, and it's so it's it's kind of no relaxing and. I don't have to like think about it. I can just look up and see the pretty thing and be like, oh man, I wish I was that guy. <laughs> I don't know. 
You're just watching this man work? Yeah, and he like sometimes his dog will come up and he'll throw his, you know, dog is is a toy in the woods and you see the dog run after it. Um he I, I've skipped ahead and I've seen some videos of him in the cabin and it's just like you just, oh, so this is like a pre-recorded series. This isn't like something he twitches every day. No, it's you not just, live. He's like in the you, middle of Canada somewhere. You broke a classic Zane rule. I skipped ahead, yeah. Yeah. I don't like, think there's a story to this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, there is and you missed but it. Him, like, You're going to be so confused. He cooks like meals all by like over a fire. Like There's no electricity at all. Um, Sweet. It's just cool and relaxing. Nice. Sounds yeah. like something I might look into. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, speaking of stuff you might look into, Ryan? What what have you been looking into? Ooh, you know, for once, I've got a bunch of movies that I've watched. That's nice. not usually the top of my list, but I've been hanging out with um, I I guess my ex boss <laughs> since I'm technically been fired, but um, uh, he's apparently a movie file, so he's been like, well. Cinephile. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, I've been looking to watch The Lighthouse, he says, a couple days ago. And I go, oh, I haven't seen that either. Let's go watch it. And kind of fell down a rabbit hole and watched The Lighthouse, The Witch. Uh, Then he sent me home. He's got like 600 DVDs just lined up against his wall in the kitchen. And I was like, pick three out of this tower right here and I'll go watch them. Uh, I watched uh, The Signal. From 2007. Hmm. I've never heard of that. uh, Oh, my God. That's that's the problem. I've been sitting too far away from my microphone. You'll probably be able to hear me better now. Okay. Good. Um, Yeah. The Signal, 2007. Not the 2014 thriller. What did you think? uh, It's really interesting. I did not realize until after the movie was over that it was directed by three different people. Uh, the, The movie's cut up into three acts. Kind of like a grindhouse situation, but uh, but of the same situation. Uh, so, uh, how can I say this without using my hands? Uh, <laughs> act one will go from A to C, right? <clears throat> act two will go from B to D, and Act three goes from C to E. Does that make sense? So, yeah. it, so you it cuts back a little bit I see. to overlap each act, kind of like The Handmaiden. And apparently each act had a different director. Um, That's cool. But it's really cool. It's about uh, how one day all technological signals are taken over by this like, what's the word for it? Mesmerizing uh, signal that makes people like devoid of inhibition, uh, like reverts them to their more uh, instinctual self. So people just start killing people that they have grudges against hmm. so everybody's killing everybody and it's the story about this couple trying to get out of the city that's falling apart did you it's like very it? interesting uh at first i hated it uh <laughs> in the first 15 minutes i was i was very confused but by the time Sounds we were familiar. done uh i i it's a decent horror thriller go watch it it's worth worth a try what do you think of the the bitch in the lighthouse the lighthouse was incredible. Hell yeah! Uh, like story yeah, aside, the the cinematic stylings were just so spot on. Yeah, the four by three crampedness really hitting home. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Dug it. It's a perfect quarantine movie. 
Um, oh, yeah. The Witch, same deal. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's on my watch list. What's the uh, the director's name? Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Um, I really like his penchant in these two movies with getting right to it, like not wasting a whole lot of time with bullshit exposition that you're not going to need 15 minutes from now. Yeah. Like in The Witch, uh, they start right off by kicking the family out of the town. You never see the town again. That's fine. Okay, we don't need to know anything about the town because it never shows up again. Same deal with the lighthouse. We have no idea where this guy is from. They allude to it in the dialogue, and they don't waste time on it. Yeah. Speaking of the dialogue, the dialogue in both those movies is like 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, yeah. It's a crime that uh, What's-His-Face didn't get any kind of nomination. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. That's some good at giving that uh, speech while having uh, dirt flung on your face is something I'll never forget. Or yelling oh about God. Poseidon's cum for two and a half minutes. <laughs> cool. Anything else, Ryan? Uh, let's see. I think I had one. Oh, uh, AWOL Nation came out with a new album entitled uh, Angel Miners and the Lightning Riders. I've given it a listen. And all I can say at this point is it's better than their last attempt, but still not quite what I expected from them, you know, knowing their glory days. Uh, but worth a listen. So I'm I'm gonna go back and give it another go. Very very kind of summer breeze, like pop rock meets uh, his like eclectic DJ style ranting rock expression. Wow, um, threw a lot of words at you there. <laughs> cool, that's sweet. I just uh I rented the. Uh, Beastie Boys documentary. I'm excited to watch that. Oh, I saw a commercial for that somewhere. Yeah. It looked really interesting. I I I don't really know much about the Beastie Boys other Me than neither. the basics. Uh, I watched Seven Psychopaths with Mike. I love that movie. It was really cool. I'd love to watch it again. And I watched A Taxi Driver, um, based loosely on something Zane said to me about it being on Hulu. Uh, I thought it was really cool. It's about a true story of a taxi driver who brings a foreign reporter into a blockaded city um, and helped him get some footage of this civil uprising that was trying to be uh, tamped down by the local government Mm -hmm. and managed to get the reporter back out of the city unharmed so that he could report on it. Uh, Really cool movie. Highly, highly recommend. Are we we uh, talking about the same movie? What are you talking? Uh, a taxi driver? I'm talking about taxi driver, not a taxi driver. Is that different? No, you had mentioned you had mentioned a taxi driver, which has the actor from Parasite. No, that's not the movie I was talking about. What were you talking about? I was talking about Taxi Driver by Scorsese. No, really? When he told me he watched that movie, I thought I, I didn't realize there was a taxi driver that was I didn't different either. than Taxi Driver. Oh, no. I must have made it all up in my head because you had said something about it. And then I go upstairs and get on Hulu and they had put 2017's A Taxi Driver with that guy. I thought that's what you had been talking about oh, because we no. had just oh, been talking about Parasite. I might have mentioned that when we talked about uh, Memories of Murder, but... Yeah, no, the whole time we were texting, I was definitely talking about Scorsese's taxi oh, driver. word. Well, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as far as what I've been up to, just to finish off the game talk, I've continued um, playing... Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I believe this is now my favorite game of all time on wow. uh, PlayStation. Better than Red Dead Two for a couple reasons. Really? 
A, um, the playability is incredible. The DLC is better than the actual game. Um, I heard the DLC was pretty cool. It's amazing. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Like there's a whole, st- there's a lot of action pack stuff that really is some cool Greek uh, mythology stuff that kind of updates it in a way that I haven't seen before. As well as there's like a whole storyline where you pal around with Socrates, which is really fun. Um, what do you mean by the the playability is is really good? Just uh, <laughs> I don't get tired of it. There's like the respecking to be like playing at different styles is it's very different depending on what you're playing and I've had fun doing that and just the fact that I'm not getting tired of it yeah. after all this time with all the storylines and just cool things like um, the world levels up with you so it's not like you were in one area and now you go back there and you're just killing everything with yeah. the wave of a hand the entire world levels with you which is nice uh, and the stuff that I mentioned before with like the, the gear customization and just the story is really good the gameplay is fun and um yeah, the the DLC has been really great, and I still have a ton of it left, which is just crazy. Uh, so yeah, very good stuff there. Um, I haven't really watched any. I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy again, uh, just as like my. I watched it over the course of a week as just my going to bed time to put on a movie thing. Nice, love it still. Uh, I watched the first two episodes of The Last Dance, the ESPN documentary about Michael Jordan and the '90s Bulls mainly focusing on their final title run, but also the entire dynasty in general. And it's amazing. It's really, really great. Um, I've been enjoying that a lot. And then I've just been watching a lot of TV. Devs finished up. Oh, yeah. Devs was really good. Um, The ending I I didn't love, but I liked. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but it was in by definition effective yeah and i i like the series as a whole there's a couple things that i feel like they i feel like it could have been cleaned up a little bit here and there but uh i i liked it a lot ron swanson's uh job in there is 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 well done he's i haven't i haven't watched it yet so don't spell anything but does it rank up there with ex machina and annihilation for you no those two are still a lot more because i almost feel like this could have been a movie and didn't need to be a series but it's if you like those things, you're going to like this. Cool. If you don't like those things, I'm not. You probably won't like this. You know, yeah. this is definitely not for everyone. It's an acquired taste, but it was very much for me. Yeah, oh. if this falls in your basket, you should definitely watch it. But it's certainly not for everyone. The plot against America also finished up. That was great. Really enjoyed that series. Uh, the acting and it's the producers of The Wire, and they always whatever they put their hands on is always quality. I think the last thing I watched of theirs was Treme, and that was great. Um, but the acting by the main two leads, like Zoe Kazan and the male lead, I don't even—I've never seen him in anything, but he was so good. Uh, and just the the story has lots of parallels for today. It's a, it, like I mentioned before, it's the alternate history where um, Lindenberg uh, wins the presidency over uh, Roosevelt, and we stay out of World War II and. And uh, the the last episode incorporates a historical event in a really creative way. And I can only imagine we're going to get a second season. And I'm happy for that. I don't think it's going to wear out. It's welcome. I also finished the newest episode of Be- uh, newest season of Better Call Saul. That show it's really great. Um, <clears throat> I, I've said it a million times. I was hesitant to start watching it because everyone said it was as good, if not better than Breaking Bad. And I love Breaking Bad. 
So I, I refuse to believe that, but you know, it's true. And I don't know if it's, Hell yeah. I wouldn't say it's better, but it's definitely as good. It, it's it's almost like comparing apples to oranges because they're they're really not the same show. They're just in the same universe. But the, it's a completely different tone. I disagree 100. percent I, really? I feel like it's the same tone. It's the same built like the how all the episodes are so suspenseful and it's all basically via dialogue and you, it makes you um, care for a character. I guess and I should okay. Maybe situations. maybe tone would be the wrong word. Yeah, I could see how the the tone is very it's less similar action packed. Yeah, the 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 <clears throat> the subject matter is is very different the later seasons as you <clears throat> as you get closer to the um the end of the series which gets closer to the beginning of breaking bad it it gets closer and closer to breaking bad cool. like the show is starting oh. to be what people thought it was going to be from the start oh i like that um cuz i've so, always yeah. thought that breaking bad did something really cool in that they they just went full tilt from the pilot there's a second like, character called Kim Drexler, and uh, <clears throat> she is almost better than Saul Goodman's character. Like she, her wow. character is amazing. Big fan. <clears throat> um, and then just two uh, two more things. I watched the first season of Big Little Lies. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I just watched that a few months ago. I had never seen before. Heard great things, and man, that might be one of the most satisfying conclusions to a, a season of television i've ever seen you're talking about the first season yeah i've only watched the first season okay, i've watched yeah, I mean, a couple episodes of the second but the the conclusion of that first season was just it was a very satisfying beginning middle and end you think so like I, I i walked away just like wow I, i'm almost stunned at how i was not left wanting like there wasn't anything i was like i hope this happens it doesn't because i didn't really have any of those expectations for the story and just i would the way the ending i guess a spoiler warning for big little lies season one wait have you seen this ryan what's that now big little lies i have not okay i'm definitely not going to spoil it because that would ruin the entire thing but the ending for those who have seen it you know what i'm talking about that last scene of season one on, if I were to just describe it to you, would sound um, convenient and uh, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just created for the show. It, it yeah. wouldn't seem like it could be a situation that would come about organically, and yet it does. It, it's it feels completely organic. You cut. You're like realizing what's about to happen as it's happening, and it's just very satisfying. I, I was not expecting to like it as much as i did i i liked that show i didn't love it um i thought the i didn't have a problem with that scene necessarily i agree that it was relatively organic it didn't feel like trite or anything but yeah. i thought the revelation was very predictable i i called that way earlier i <clears throat> for sport uh i thought that i was uh obviously i expected that from the beginning but then I went away from it because it same it became too obvious yeah. that that was going to be it. And they do do a good job of like giving you a couple ways it could go. That's true. Um, so I I still and then the situation itself, whether or not the person who it happened to was a surprise, the situation in which it did was a surprise. So I I mean, if nothing else, that show reminded me. I really think Nicole Kidman is one of the best actresses out there right now. She's awesome. Yeah, she was really good. And you get to see a lot of titties. <laughs> it's true. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing I watched, and I've only watched one of the three so far, 
Um, but Middle Ditch and Schwartz is out on Netflix. I, yeah, I, I heard that. <clears throat> I watched the first one and it's so funny. Zane, does it, does it you rank I, with? Does it rank with the one we saw? Oh yeah, <clears throat> it's just as just the two of them, man. It's it's something like that. So is it is it is it a complete? improvisation yeah. they don't have any framework under it <clears throat> they had they even asked the same prompt question they asked us where, where it is um uh all three of them it's just the same prompt they ask the the audience is there an event you have coming up that you're either excited for or dreading and then they hear responses and they pick one and then they talk to the person about that scenario for a little bit and then after about 10 minutes uh they launch into a 45 minute improv based on that prompt that is completely unscripted and come up right on the top of their head. The only props are two chairs. Otherwise there's no props and they're playing multiple, multiple characters doing multiple scenes and just the, their ability to create a beginning, middle and end to a completely improvised scene with so little just is it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. Can't wait to see those. It is. Um, at least I haven't seen this new stuff, the Netflix stuff yet, but the live show that we saw was like masterful. <laughs> oh yeah. One of the funniest things I've ever seen live. Yeah. And these are great. I'm glad, great that they're out there. Cause I feel like there's great rewatchability in these two. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was a delight. Put a smile on my face. Making improv rewatchable. Now that's something not, I feel like the bigger, uh, uh, accomplishment here is making improv interesting, not live. Uh, cause yeah. that's, that's like one of the bigger selling points is like, this is something just for us in this moment that will only be for us. And there's some, it's like magic when you do it in person, if there's a bigger, there's much more allure to it than watching it via tape. So, yeah. and I, I don't get that at all with this. I, f- I feel like the improv comes through greatly cool. because I, you know, because it's not like a standup special where, you know, there's, they taped three of them and they're stitching the best parts together. Right. It's literally, they just taped three of them and showed you all three. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, um, I've never, people always say this about music, like about live music, that there's like an energy to the crowd and that like contributes to the show. And I've never understood that. But when I saw that, that live improv of those two, I was like, Oh, this is not the same as, I don't know if you if you took the exact same thing, but just I guess yeah, like you said, like stitch it together. Even though the content is the same, there's some there's some sort of energy here in the crowd seeing it oh, together, yeah. and it's the tension knowing that it's all improv and like yeah, the the fact that it could fall apart at any moment is part or of that, the enjoyment that you might even be involved with it somehow. I don't know. Yeah. So hearing that they captured that is is cool. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, um, I have one last little thing that I just saw on my phone. Uh, did are you guys aware that uh, there's a quarantine Kim, going on right now? Kim Jong Un <laughs> is reported to have died. I saw that earlier. It, what? It's very it's it's very rumor based because he yeah. hasn't been seen for over two weeks. He it's hasn't a compli- been seen in public. Complications um, for surgery. Yeah, they're they're saying that uh, there's some supposed leaks coming out. Saying that uh, there was like a botched heart surgery, and uh, that's why we haven't seen him. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that yet, but we'll see. Maybe we... they're saying possible coma, might Can't be dead. Be, uh... Hey, you know, well, guess what? If it turns out to be true, three dicks picks broke it first. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, on that note, let's move on to our first uh, pick of the week. Yeah, 
Zane, you had this one. I did. Um, this is one that I've had in my pocket for quite a bit. Um, you guys know me. I love wacky, weird shit. Oh, yeah. Um, and so this is... I had heard for a long time some of the wackiest and weirdest shit out there in terms of cinema, at least. Um, so this week we watched Alejandro Jodorowsky's 1973 Mexican surreal fantasy film, The Holy Mountain. You say Mexican? Yeah. I, I say he. I think he's Chilean. Oh, he's it's like, just I. You know, it's a surprise to me that you know the Mexicans would have anything to do with surrealism. You know. Oh, I'll cut you. <laughs> okay, it took me a minute. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, this is a, a weird movie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Very very weird unusual. movie. Unusual. It it um. I don't know when I heard about it. It's, it. I heard about it very long time ago. Um. But I, it's always been on my backlog, um, and I don't know why I never watched it, really. I, I, I guess, yeah, I don't have a good reason. So but, this um, is your first time watching it? I've watched it like two and a half times now because uh, we kept pushing the episode, um, But so I'm quite familiar with the, the movie now. Um, but yeah, that, this was my first experience watching it for the show. Had you guys ever heard of it, even? No. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at have all. Have you guys Nothing even heard of, of Joe Dorowski? Nope. Nope. Yeah, other than, as far as I'm aware, other than David Lynch, he's the biggest name in surrealism. It um, felt very Lynchian the entire time. It really did. You think so? I mean, for me, because I'm a, a novice when it comes to the genre, okay. so it, it just, you know, harkens to the only really touchstone I have. The The soundtrack is one and the same, almost. Interesting. I All the feel strings that. and the, like, Rite of Spring type stuff. <laughs> um. I didn't feel that at all. I feel like Lynch is way more, um, what's the word? Oh, Not- sorry. No, that, that right of Springs comment was, was about the signal I was watching Forget okay. about that. Um, <laughs> I feel like even though Lynch is, is as wacky as this movie is, Lynch is a lot more, um, like what's the, like determined, like he, like he knows what he's doing. I feel like, whereas I think this movie is just kind of like throwing everything it has Bumbling. at you. You want to see some weird shit? Here's something I thought up in like while I was high on LSD. Here, here it is. Oh yeah, this is definitely a drug-riddled event. Yeah. Oh my god, it was. Yeah. Yeah. M- um, um, most of those actors at one point or another uh, ate mushrooms while on set. Yeah, during the the second half, apparently, and I I shouldn't be surprised to hear this, but apparently, before filming, Jodorowsky made everyone live together in the same house. Um, he went without a, a, a communal. Week. A week of sleep prior to filming, and so when he started Jesus. filming, he hadn't slept in a week. That's ridiculous. Um, he made everyone do mushrooms at, at, for one scene. Yeah, um, some uh, weird it, shit. It was but, all filmed uh, in order. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, he filmed everything linearly. Um, or I guess that's, that's not common <laughs> for a lot of movies. No, but, not really. Is it, is, was it because it was all filmed largely on at lo- one location, or? 
I'm not sure why. Um, Must have had good fun because usually the reason why it, it's not done like that is for financial reasons because mm-hmm. it's would be more expensive to do that because you just got to take advantage of the time of day and location and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that the budget was relatively low. I, I read seven hundred and fifty thousand. I read uh, something I didn't believe um, because it was Wikipedia, <laughs> and I take sense. it for a grain of salt. But was it about the Beatles? Yeah, John yeah. led. Did John Lennon oh, really? For this movie, or was it something else? Well, what do you, what were you going to say? That he was a uh, he uh, helped fund the making of this movie. Yeah, based that, on what he did before. Um, yeah, I know. I know some of the Beatles funded this movie. I don't know how much or to what extent. Uh, Yoko Ono's name comes up several times while I was surfing around the web. From what yeah. I was reading, it was just John and Yoko. I I can't remember where I read it, so I can't cite this, but I also read that George Harrison was supposed to be the main star of the movie. Really? But once he heard that he was going to get his asshole scrubbed on screen, he was like, actually, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> um, so the director was like, hmm, let's make, you know, and since he's dropping out, why don't I just write it, produce it, direct it, co- co-star in it, co-edit it, co- uh, he even helped score it. Yep. And he start, like, it was like, let That's me just, let me so just much- do everything. That's why he had so much money to film it however he pleased. He was doing half the jobs himself. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think it's cool in that way that you. this is like his vision, for better or worse. This is pure... Like a lot of movies, I think, get watered down because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But no, this is this is Jodorowsky, for sure. So did you like it, Zane? Um, I think <laughs> like I thought about it... Like is a strong it. word. <laughs> I think I thought about it too much, and I ended up liking it because I overthought it. But if you just showed me this without any context, I would think it's the stupidest thing ever. Uh, upon my first watch, wasn't big into it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty weird. Um, to give some context to listeners, if you didn't watch it, which you probably didn't, I don't even know if I could s- sum- summarize the movie. It's about a dude. <laughs> and he Who looks pisses, like Jesus. He looks like Jesus. He, he, there's a lot of religious uh, sim- symbology. And he finds a master who teaches him... That there's a mountain that you got to climb to to become self enlightened, I guess, to be immortal, immortal, to be immortal, immortality. Right. Yeah, um, but there's there's barely a narrative. You, I think reading the Wikipedia article is way more co- coherent than actually watching the movie. It was absolutely. <laughs> Although um, the the one thing I feel like the movie did do a good job of um, was like, and something I didn't that wasn't in like the Wikipedia or the plot summary was how. Um, it was also the the people once they get to creating those souls with the alchemist that uh, it's kind of like the seven deadly sins almost with them that yeah. makes that triumphant ten. Oh uh, yeah, because uh, they're all from planets, and all the people have or support the attributes that are least are the most negative S- attributes from each uh, planet. Small small aside, because this. Apparently, like apparently from what we've all read, that the beginning is supposed to symbolize like a tarot card and the characters are supposed to represent different people from different tarot cards. Right. How familiar are you guys with tarot? Have you ever read someone's tarot? Have you ever had your own read? Uh, I don't really believe any of that shit. Well, um, obviously, but I that know, doesn't mean you wouldn't do it. For <laughs> I fun. know people that read tarot. I've seen people have their tarots read. Sarah... Um, Sarah, I guess this quarantine is making her go crazy because she just bought a pack and is trying to learn how to do it. 
Um, uh, did so, you know that before you asked that question? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've, I've had my tarot read. I've read people's tarot. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, there's a book. It's pretty easy. You When you do it, there's like, you just have a book and you turn over the cards and you read what the the book says. There, there's prompts for like how the yeah. card lands. Or I've only done it. it a couple times, so I don't really have any basis of knowledge of like the different kinds of cards. And I wonder if I had any, if this movie would make any more sense. Well, I, I looked up the cards that they were um, related to because they talk about um, the opening guy, the main dude, that's the thief. And some of the uh, uh, traits of that would be betrayal, deception, getting away with something. That's the one that caught me was getting away with something. Um, or like an imposter syndrome. Like they made copies of him uh, that into uh, crucifixes. And he's like... He freaks out. You know, even if he was Jesus Christ, like he wouldn't believe that he was because how could he be that important kind of deal? <clears throat> Self-deceit. And I tried to find some wording on the five swords, which is taped to the back of the limbless man, the mostly limbless man. Um, I, I didn't quite understand that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand tarot much at all, and I, I don't know if that would have helped with this at all. Can I say that one of my biggest complaints yeah. is the use of animals? There's lots oh, of yeah. animals. Uh, it I, was, I'm not a big fan of that either. It was my least favorite part of the movie for sure. I was like, oh, those poor frogs. Were they really blowing up those frogs? Sure oh, like absolutely. It. That's fucked up, man. And not even that, but like uh, towards the end when they're climbing up the actual mountain and those like dogs are fighting. Yeah. That uh, looks real. Yeah. I'm sure that was real too. Uh, and terrible things happen every day, everywhere. But um, I, I agree that we shouldn't be portraying <laughs> things like that in movies. Uh Two, uh, I have two prompts for you, Zane. Yeah, yeah. And this is really all I really have to say about the movie. Uh, it was just, it kind of struck me with two questions. Yeah. Um, one, uh, for me, I feel like, now I'm a practi practical effects guy, you know, when it comes okay. to special effects, when it comes to like uh, action movie, sci-fi, I'm a practical effects guy. I appreciate it. I feel like for the most part, it looks better than CGI. But... I feel like that's because it gives the movie more realistic tones. It's, you know, it increases, heightens the realism of the movie yeah. and Totes. makes it more impactful. Now for this type of movie that is not realistic at all, not, it's not supposed to be, it's not even trying, obviously not even trying to be. Um, I feel like the practical nature of a lot of the, it looks like a community theater production. A lot of the times with the costuming, mm -hmm. And the set design and stuff like that. And I wonder if you were to take this exact same story, dialogue, and everything, but just up the production design and add a little bit more CGI where so it doesn't look real and it, and it takes you out of the realism of it a bit, if I would enjoy it anymore. Because it just looked... Because I just... Watching it, I couldn't stop feeling... Like I was watching it like it was on stage and there were 12 people in the in a hot gymnasium that doesn't have air conditioning yeah. in the inner city. You know, it was just not great. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, I don't, I don't, I wasn't that bothered with it, I guess, because I, maybe because I knew it was old and foreign. <laughs> so that <laughs> sort of set my expectation is this is not going to be like a high budget Hollywood. Also, it's coming from a guy that I know everyone says is a fucking wackadoo. So I wasn't expecting like a lot of realism or, tr uh, or that I was going to be like, you know, captivated by what was going on. I knew it was going to be weird as shit and that 
probably hokey at times. Probably because uh, when they were making it, they were on, on fucking mushrooms, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And I feel like the use, at, at least at this, during that decade, the use of CGI at that point, it really breaks the whole surrealism bit. I And the last, the last thing I was going to say is there are a couple things that I, message-wise or like theme-wise that I liked. I just was like, man, this is a very... Uh, I feel like you, if you take these three sentences out of like the entire movie, the entire thing collapses upon itself. Yeah. Um, but one of the things was when he shits and turns it into gold. Yeah. And then he's like, you're shit, but you can be gold. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was like a good theme, but just I'm a bizarre way that, of getting there. With you. Well, I mean, I mean, that was one of the most influential scenes of the whole movie for me. Yeah. Uh, and then the weirdest scene of the movie then this was gonna be my prompt to you guys because i want to hear what do you th- think the weirdest scene in the movie was because for me it's by far uh the scene where they have sex with the robot and the robot comes and then <laughs> comes and a baby a child yeah. <laughs> it's the most fucked up thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah. wasn't that um hold on i've got it here the lots of like rapey vibes too there's, t- there's touching a lot of bodies i'm like i don't I neptune don't, that was the one with the the art house right yeah Yep, yeah, that's, that was that's like I have guy. it right here in my notes. Uh, right after Planets Personified, we got through all of them until we got to Neptune, and I said Neptune is where it gets really weird. Well, that that rep that uh, that robot sex and baby scene, that was like that's where I started to come around to the movie, being like, because I at first I I could see people dismissing this movie as saying like this this guy is so fucking pretentious. He thinks he's so fucking cool and smart. Like oh, there's Jesus, but when he was opened the Bible, it's full of slugs, and the priest is sleeping with a with a the like you know Jesus is the crucifix. Yeah, it's like oh, this guy thinks he's so smart. Good for you, Jodorowsky. But then I was like, is any of this supposed to be funny? And I was questioning it back and forth when I was watching it. And then I got to that that Neptune guy where he was like sticking his fingers in, in the art and the buttholes and like you know like going yeah. through the museum and like this this robot has a baby and like comes everywhere <laughs> and i was like oh th- he knows this is like fucked up and weird and stupid and so that makes me like it a little bit more somebody had to make that prop i know outside of the computer which must have been crazy because it all sort of unfolds there's got to be people the, in there the the for lack of a better term the vibrator <laughs> itself comes and somebody had to make that <laughs> oh yeah and why did she have to get naked to do that i think i think that's just i mean for he, he just wanted to get people naked he, he i think he he went home into his in in not home but he went back to his uh his trailer after every day of shooting and just jerked off based on the fact that he got people to do that and like <laughs> yeah. i can for i can convince people to do that because it's art yeah. it just because it didn't seem like it mattered whenever it was happening yeah who put those people into boxes like in real life and then painted them well at the beginning and grope them <laughs> at the beginning of the movie like when you f- first see jesus and his pal uh his leg le- his armist <laughs> pa- his armless pal uh i don't really remember the scene too well but there's like a guy who just takes a woman over and puts her up against the wall and put and turns panties down and starts having sex with her and then and she and, loves it and she's into it and people are taking pictures of it and there's lots of people around. I'm like, this is weird. What was what that supposed like to this? be? West, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's that's one of the points where you could be like, 
oh wow there's a lot to say from this or you could be like this is the most pretentious bullshit thing i've ever seen it just depends on what you want to bring to the table um, it's like the numbness speaking, of tourists or something speaking like that. to the naked thing greg i wrote about i wrote a blog post about this movie because i've been wanting to watch it for so long but i wrote in the blog blog post to jodorowsky you take a naked person a vivid color a wild animal and a religious symbol and yeah. that equals art i guess also <laughs> maybe some shit yeah maybe yeah would you was that real shit you think that's real shit i wouldn't be surprised if it was real shit Me also i wouldn't be surprised if in the beginning of the movie that guy sitting in like the cow carcass like eating a chimichanga or whatever yeah i bet that's a real cow oh yeah absolutely. also that that pig full of peanut butter i bet that's a, a real pig full of peanut butter you know that's so weird yeah i was i was not into it <laughs> um but to answer your question there's three most disturbing scenes for me. Um, the the first one is when the child prostitute, that little girl, goes up to the old man and he takes his eyeball out and puts it in her hand. Oh, that made me uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that. Was that like ten, what ten year old nipples? I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of naked um, people, but also quite a few <laughs> naked children that I wasn't. A little weird. All those 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 little boys. I mean, I wasn't gonna bring it up. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the second the second thing I was gonna bring up, I already touched on it. <laughs> Wrong way to say that. Um, <laughs> was when he finally the the thief finally meets the master, um, and they just put him in a fountain to start scrubbing his asshole. <laughs> I, I, that was that took me by surprise. I was like, oh wow, that's. <laughs> It's a bit more than that's, I was expecting. That's, even that's a hairy, hairy butt right there. Well, they yeah. made they made the uh, you know the you are shit. You can be gold, and now they get you know you get there and you're clean the shit. You know, no longer shit. So. Clean, you're clean now. And then the third, no, they scrubbed him before they put him in the thing. The I'm third saying, thing they, they clean the shit though. I was gonna bring up is towards the end of the movie when they're climbing the mountain, <laughs> and there's that old man, the old naked man, and he just has like cheetahs for breasts and he's just squirting everything and he's like half in drag and his little dick is hanging out it was just that was a lot um, so the, the way i understand it those are all like visions that each of them have on their way up the mountain like revealing their deepest darkest like nightmares. they're facing their fears or something did we yeah. did yeah. any of us get that from watching the movie because i didn't get any of that from watching the movie only no, reading the wikipedia thing i i didn't I think I had that bit figured out. There was a lot of other things in the movie that I didn't really get, but after watching several of those nightmare scenes, I went, I skipped it back like ten minutes and watched that scene over again. Oh, and it, it occurred to me that they were they were zooming in on one person directly for each of the right. nightmares. So I also I feel like this together. is a movie you can't watch by yourself, or at least it's not best watched by yourself. It's it would definitely be more fun if you weren't by yourself. Yeah, if you had a group that you could like. Because without a group to break the tension of how weird it is, you're just yeah. you're just left to live with that tension. I uh, I was watching it by myself, and Sarah walked in to oh my God. office literally when that guy's asshole was being scrubbed. <laughs> <laughs> was and she I, was she impressed? I, I was able to like minimize it really quick, but I haven't felt that embarrassed watching something in a long time. <laughs> so you're watching got caught watching porn. That's even worse than porn. <laughs> The only um, moment worse than that would be the uh, the weird old titted penis thing oh, that yeah. he was just talking about, and that that old lady on the big toilet. Ah, 
And the ball sacks in the jar. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> the, that one. Oh, the, the thanks for letting me create my my collection of a thousand testicles. It's like, why do you want that? Uh, the the yeah. fairy <clears throat> lady on the way too tall toilet says that window is the wrong size. <laughs> why is it so big? And it's hardly like 10 inches by 10 inches. And then, he and, boards it up. <laughs> yeah, she has him to board it up and he's in the tub and has a, a perfectly sized board and like a, a staple, hammer and nails. Yeah, <laughs> just ready to go. That's right. the type of stuff I thought was just weird for weird sake. Like the, the tall toilet. What's that? What are you talking about that? I mean, I think I think what you mentioned before, Greg, there's like three or four scenes, not even like sentences, really that give this film some sort of narrative other than that everything else is just hey i had a weird dream last night let's let's film it so or what's what's the weirdest shit i can think of cooking shit (laughs) oh let's let's take one of these topics like uh like the uh, immorality of capitalism and instead of being on the nose let's be as off the nose as humanly possible where you can barely even figure out what we're trying to say yeah um I take it y'all ran into the uh, detail about how much dialogue was scrubbed from this movie? No, actually. Like right before they were finished with it. uh, I'm sorry. How do you say his name again? Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky uh, went through and cut purposefully as much dialogue as he could, leaving only the most important bits. uh, why did he? I, well, the first was a fifteen reason. minutes, he no was, one says He was anything. trying to make it as like silent and dialogue less as possible. I thought you almost were having us watch a, a dialogue less movie because the first. I didn't know there was going to be little. I, I didn't know there was going to be little to no dialogue when it. I think it's like twenty or thirty minutes before anything's being said, other than that thief like roaring with the frogs. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I, I don't want to think about the frogs. That was all f- when the the Aztec temple started raining blood on the frogs. I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, I started watching the movie, um, and I was like pretty into it right away. There's that long opening scene of of uh, Jodorowsky like cutting those women hairs, and it's very like um, cultish. Yeah, it's just it's it's very like symmetrical and like pretty, even though it's weird and there's like no context. But then, so I was like in it for that. But then immediately after, the next scene is like Jesus pissing himself with flies all over his face, a bunch of little boys' penises, and I was like, oh, maybe this isn't this is like a bad drug trip, not like a good one. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that makes you never do drugs again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was also surprised that they were able to keep up the weirdness throughout the whole movie, like. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I I wouldn't have been surprised if it was weird. It was like top heavy, and then the back half was just like, I don't doing know. the work of a normal movie. Yeah, like when making you, up for the first half. Yeah, you know but what? No, strikes... it, it was it. Some of the weirdest shit was at the end. That woman like fucking the mountain and like <laughs> rub your clitoris against the earth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, what strikes me about the weirdness factor in this movie is how striking we find it in 2020 like this this was what 76 uh 73 i think 73 going straight 70s i like it um that's a long time that's 50 years ago and it's still wigging people out despite you know the 18 saw movies we've seen since we were born sure well this is this is 
not go- yeah i agree but this is something that's just like so weird it, it will never not be weird if this is not if this if we ever get to a point in time where this isn't weird i'm gonna be mad and scared <laughs> because that's fucked up because we always <laughs> talk about uh like old movies we watch that are like classics or powerful for this reason or that and how like it doesn't really have the same effect anymore because those tropes are so played out there's no tropes this is a tropeless thing this is just a a bunch of things like strung together with four sentences in between them was there anything that you did like about the movie greg just those four sentences okay and how i felt like the it was their reason of justifying the movie in general uh, and anchoring the weirdness so that you can be like, ooh, well, if you really think about it, yeah. it means this, this, and that, where it's just like Nostradamus-type stuff that's just so vague and weird that you're going to interpret whatever you want based off those those prompts of those sentences. Yeah, I think um, I liked other things besides that, but I will say I agree. Those The few sprinkles of, of narrative anchoring was what eventually sold me on the movie I think without those things, there's it's literally all nonsense. Whereas I think those few scenes give it enough structure that you can you can interpret the nonsense into something that is meaningful. And I can totally see how that's not enough for most people, but it was enough for me. It has a seven point nine out of ten on IMDb, and that was very surprising. People rave about this movie well, online. Just think, like Ryan just said, it it's super weird now, obviously. But imagine fifty years ago. You know, barely out of the 60s, this must have been like, holy shit, this is, I can't, literally, if we tried, we can't make anything weirder than this. Yeah. Unless you had a robot that was made of cum that (laughs) came another robot that came the first robot. Yeah. Now you're thinking, Greg. Um, Do you guys have... Do you... Do you... um, have any nope interpretation nope. <laughs> no 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 I, I felt like it was just like very broad stuff like religion is hokey uh you know the the earth is great uh people are dumb uh you know here's yeah, a weird thing to look at i recognized a lot of the symbolism didn't understand a lot of the symbolism i'm sure there's a lot going on there yeah exactly but it's just that none of it resonated with me see i'm not sure that there is a lot going on I will. Um, I just give it the benefit of the doubt. Like I hope it does. I God yeah. hope it does. That's great. I think um, this movie. I think I've I might have said this with some of David Lynch's movies before, but I think this movie helped me realize maybe movies, and I know this to be true, but like movies and I guess stories in general don't necessarily have to have meaning or theme. Um, they can just be, you know, art. <laughs> You know, well, they can be tone, they can be emotion, they can be feeling. It doesn't have to be narrative. That's kind of where I landed in my final um, decision over this movie is in that the difference between entertaining watch and like art film, you know, like what what makes it successful in those two realms. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and dick or no dick this guys. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go first? Yeah. Uh, like I just said, uh, I, I, first watch, I'm looking for that entertainment factor and missed it kind of. Second watch, I went at it more from like an art standpoint and found a greater appreciation for it. And 
I, I'd got to give it the caveat. I agree with both of you. If I were to watch it again, it's only going to be because I'm trying to show it to someone else and talk through it. Yeah. Uh, but for that, I'll give it a dick. Yeah. How about you, Zane? I, I give it a dick. Um, I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to like it. But I think um, even without the meaning, I think the movie is pretty to look at. Maybe pretty is not the right word, but interesting to look at. There's a lot of cool shots and a lot of shots that you would ne- literally you could never get in any other sort of movie. Like you can't get a pig full of peanut butter or like, you know, any 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 yeah. number of things that we saw. A um, room just filled to the brim with life size crucifixes. Yeah. Um, so I liked I liked it for that. And like I said, the sprinkle of of narrative was just enough for me to pull something away from it. Um, and you can read more of, of my thoughts on my blog post. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I give it a dick. Uh, no dick for me. Uh, I have the perfect analogy for what this type of movie is. The Lynchian, the lynches of the world and this stuff. It's that's this stuff to me is what metal music is to using. I, I watch it <laughs> and I'm like, what even is this? Is this even a movie? Like, what is this? It's, <laughs> it's all a bunch of nonsense. There seems to be nothing, uh, holding it together that makes any sense or any purpose. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of visual noise. Uh, so I think for me, it's a genre of movies that I'm not completely against, but the movies that actually resonate with me and that I actually like are going to be few and far between, but there will be ones that happen. Um, I just, yeah, this is my metal music. Okay. Heard. Uh, all right. Well, Ryan, you had the second pick, uh, the music pick. What did you have us listen to? We're not going far. Not year-wise, anyway, because we're only traveling three years later to 1976 for Harry Chapin's, I believe, sixth uh, full release, his very first live album titled Greatest Stories Live. write that Christ it sounds like the theme from Godfather 2 okay listen if you count really extra fantastic maybe we can get through that lame piece of music that starts this song okay did he start the song yet okay so so just count with so much energy that it will get us through those next two bars are you ready you gotta really blow the house down Harry don't mess it up Chapin, uh, well-renowned folk singer, uh, has had tons of songs hit the charts, maybe only one or two that topped it for any point of time. Um, But as I get older, I am further surprised at how many people don't know about Harry Chapin, considering how popular he was while he was alive. Uh, I, I fall into that category. Me too. Yeah, and everyone else I've talked to about this album in the last two or three weeks. I did a little dig in just to learn a bit about him. Uh, this this album was recorded over three nights 
in California at different venues. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there was a couple of technical issues that they overdubbed in the studio to fix for print. Uh, but most of it is straight up live. Uh, born in 42, he died in 1981 on his way to a free concert he was being a part of. Uh, was involved in a freeway accident involving a truck. The wife won $12 million in a negligence suit against the owners of the truck and started a foundation in his name. Wow. What a way to go. Yeah. Uh, so you guys have never heard uh, of Harry Chapin before. Have I imagine you've heard of Cats in the Cradle? Literally the only song. Yeah. Yep. Same here. The only one on the disc that, uh, from what I could tell, ever hit number one. Although most of the tracks on the album charted at one point or another. Yeah. I mean, I did some reading too, and I, w- I could not believe how successful and renowned and like just what a success this guy was and how, how many records he sold, how popular he was uh, for me to A, not love the music that much and B, just never have heard of him. It was pretty surprising to see how popular he was. Child arrived just the other day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for a new it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cat's in the cradle and a silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon when you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then, son You know we'll have a good time then What made you pick this, Ryan? Uh, it's been on my catalog literally since we started uh, I wanted to hold on to it for a rainy day Because I've been listening to it for literally... As long as I've been alive, it's always it. I grew up with it in the car. It was one of three CDs that would inevitably end up in the player during a long drive. And do you love this album? Uh, I yeah, I really dig it. Um, well, so, Ryan, <clears throat> you saying you grew up with it? Is it because one of your parents listened to it all the time? No, yeah, it wasn't mine. Okay. Yeah. And was it this album specifically, or just his music in general? Uh, this dick, this dick, <laughs> the dick disc specifically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting. That's worth noting. I, at one point, went back, not recently, went back and tried to listen to some of the original numbers from this album, and I really didn't care for it, at least not at that point. Uh, I, I like the live feel much better. How about you, Zane? What, what were your overall thoughts on this? <clears throat> I'm not surprised that Ryan says his parents listened to it, because I feel like... This is the daddiest <laughs> dad music you could ever listen to. <laughs> it really is. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but like, this is like, when I think of a 50-year-old dad that maybe grew up in the country, this is what I, I imagine him listening to in his pickup truck, you know, rolling through the country roads. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my main takeaway, honestly. Yeah, and uh, my main takeaway was uh, something a little bit more uh, of a, 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 a 
a bigger view from a, a couple steps back and which makes me really happy to hear what you said because what I literally have written down is I, f- I feel like for me when I get to genres like these that are not my go-to but that I still have fondness and appre- appreciation for my fandom has less to do with the quality of their work but more on the circumstances of which I discovered the artist or the art and that goes that's a hundred percent your story that totally makes sense if I have this and like for my example carbon leaf uh, it's a band I really really like and every time I tell people that they're surprised because it is it's like it's like modern version of this music kind of it's it's folky americana music that's daddy and you know, dad dad-ish dad-like <laughs> yeah, <dad-ish. laughs> um and uh it's it's not typically part of my my normal genres of music i go to even though their music would be like that band would be in the top 10 of my favorite bands um, and I think it's because I found it in formative years where it was a, a family influence where my cousins were listening to it and taking me to the show. So I don't know if I hadn't discovered Carbon Leaf that way, if I'd like them. And I feel like this might be a similar situation for you where you, your fondness comes from the point in which you discovered it in the in the means in which you discovered it via your yeah. parents. Yeah, and uh, one thing that, I find interesting within myself is that despite how long I've been listening to this, I never really get bored of it. And yeah, I'll forget about it and not touch it for three years, but I'll be like, oh, right. Haven't heard that song in a while. I'll put the whole album on. doesn't bother me one bit. There's like one track that I'll skip. Oh, it's worth noting. Um, Did you guys listen to a track list that included uh, She's Always 17? Yes. That track and the track immediately after it, so the 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 tertiary and second to last tracks on that album, not on the original CD release. Yeah. Uh, I think it was on the LP maybe because they had more space, uh, but they had to trim it for the CD. So I never, I I'd never even heard those two songs before. Oh. I uh, started listening more, to it. She's always seventeen, and love is just another world. Are like kind of more like disco-y, like funkier. Yeah, right. I was very surprised when it popped up on the the playlist. I I almost thought I had fallen into a different album. It was yeah, so it feels, different. Those are the two different, most different sounding songs compared to the rest. I think. Word. Um, what did you guys think of overall variety? I know that a lot of this sits within like that Americana or like country western almost. Um, but did you guys feel that each song was unique in in of itself? No, uh, but not. I only listened to the album once um, because it was kind of a chore to get through. If I, just because I, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't think I came to the music in a in a mood or a, a mind state that was go to, going to allow me to like something different um, right now that I usually like. Uh, but I felt like each song was clearly the same voice. I, I didn't. I'm sure that if I were to listen to it a bunch of times, there'd be unique things that would stand out to me. But from a, a one-time listen through, it the the sound like I w- I was surprised to hear it's three different shows because it it just sounds so much alike. One of those songs isn't even done by Harry, isn't correct. Which one, one of them sung by uh, someone else in the band? I believe Harry uh, sounds the one, like the uh, lead singer. Saturday morning. The, uh, my biggest one of my biggest takeaways is he sounds like the lead singer REM. And I don't like REM. <laughs> Interesting. Really? Oh, I, huh. I feel like he sounds a lot like the lead singer REM. REM and, or... I mean, REM, I guess, sounds like him 
because of timeline. But yeah, it sounds like the lead singer of Ari- the singing, the vocals specifically, not the music. Okay. I don't know if I agree with that. I guess I'm not super familiar with REM. I, I think, I don't know if I, I thought the music all sounded the same, but it, I mean, it definitely felt like a cohesive album. This is like a best of though, right? Is that right? Is that true? Uh, it's a selection of his works. Yeah. So that he played at the, the shows. Sure. So, but the music comes from different albums. Yeah. Yeah. I think release. there were, there were five releases before they recorded this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, it, it all sounds like it's coming from the same guy to me. Um, and I can't fault. I mean, you can't really fault him for that. Um, I, I feel like the music is ge- generally very, um, easy to listen to, if that makes sense. No, it's like, yeah, it's totally easy, easy listening. Like it, I it's could not see difficult this, to understand. I could see this f- like filling the same sort of void if I was in a different mood. Like I listen to a lot of lo-fi hip hop. Like this is kind of the same, like you put it on and it's kind of like it, it evokes a mood rather than me sitting down and like listening to it in a dedicated sort of way. Word. It's all, like I, I want to say background music, but that's like pretty uh, dismissive of it. Um. Yeah, I mean, it would be distracting for me as a background album, but I, really? I did make me realize that I like live albums. I'm not a, I'm not against live albums. I like that that aspect of it. <laughs> What'd you guys think about the intro to the whole show? I thought it was. They counted was... in. He goes, Ah, no, 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 no. I think we might need that a little faster. <laughs> or and he he immediately shits on that first song like oh this sounds like the the beginning of Godfather just let me get through this and it'll be better I promise or something like that because <laughs> well, I I think that was written for like the live production um I I don't know what that the original song sounds like but I I don't think it starts with the I think that was just a thing they wrote for the live show I thought it was funny how like like funny he was trying to be or was I guess um him and the bassist uh he mentions him a couple of times big john tanner yeah I think it was um he's known him for a really long time and acts as his straight man and I had to look up what that term meant, but it basically means that when the two of them are on stage, like they're they're like ribbing each other, and he'll he'll feed Harry jokes to hit the punchline with. Right, the Abbott and Costello. Yeah, he's like a, uh, maybe Conan and uh, the other guy, Andy Richter. <laughs> Andy Richter. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but the joke he made about um, like he something about Nancy and like I I've never. I've never had an Nancy, but I'll no, do it for her. Or somebody like in the crowd goes, play it for Nancy. He goes, for Nancy? This is for Nancy. Never done it to Nancy, so I'll play it for her. Thank you. That's much better delivery, right? But uh, I like that. I think that's some of my favorite stuff from this album is is his personality shining through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish, I guess I don't listen to a lot of live music, like pre-recorded live music. So maybe I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like that sort of stuff is not super common at least maybe not anymore maybe just not in the cyber sort of music i listen to in the recorded version or just live shows in general in the in recordings of live shows yeah i feel like when they put them on cd they'll they often trim all the like crowd the fun, yelling the fun stuff yeah i guess it you depends on the people to yell during their recordings depends when on you guys, sorry no go ahead Zane. when you guys go to live shows do you prefer an artist who just plays the music or do you want them to like banter with the crowd? Uh, I want you to 
you know, give us your take if you don't suck at talking to the crowd. But uh, yeah, if that's it's not thing. your place, don't do it. it. I only want them to do it if they're good at it. And when they're good at it, I feel like it's very additive. But if they're bad at it, it, it it's, can really fuck up the show. Exactly. can fuck up the mood. Like, have you... I know Zane hasn't, but did you watch any of the draft, Ryan, the NFL draft? Uh, I watched most of the first round. Because since it's quarantine style, um, they're doing everything virtually. And I get real excited every time a pick is in and they're about to announce it. And then they throw it to Roger Goodell and he's like making these really lame jokes to a bunch of fans Ugh. of that team behind him. And every time he does that before he reads the pick, I was like, oh, God, like it just ruins the excitement for the pick. He is sucks. that you have to get through 30 seconds of him trying to be a human. It's not great. <laughs> so he, if you're bad at bad it, at it can it can make it worse. But yeah. if they're good at it, I feel like it's a, a strength for sure. I yeah, I think I like it when when they do that. I <laughs> tell just, me a just, funny story or like yeah, show me show me that you're more than just music on stage, you know. But if you're not, then don't try to be. But I I, guess that's so, fine yeah. too. Uh, all right. So, what do you guys think about the second track? Uh, the one about the radio host. He oh. uh, calls up his ex-wife or ex-lover and asks uh explains what he's been up to since he left and asks if uh, she'll take him back and she's like nah that's way gone he's like all right i i liked it i mean i liked it as much as i liked any other song um i think i couldn't tell you what any of these songs were about so the fact like that's all very new to me they're all i thought one of the, one throughput that i was sort of surprised by is that they're mostly like story like story songs like it's not just like artistic lyrics. Like he's literally telling like a story. Yeah. You, you go down through just the album titles and even like the posthumous like collections they've put together. And they almost always have something to do with this story or story time or storyteller. Or da, 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 da. And it's always, yeah, he's, he's a story guy. He's a folk guy. Yeah. I appreciate um, that. I, I think my favorite one of those, which I guess there's a lot. But I think it was the one about Watertown, New York, and the, like the waitress and uh, the yeah the Midnight Watchman. Uh, yeah, a that's better a good place one. to be. A better place to be. Um, and I don't know for some reason when he said this song is about Watertown, New York, I was like, oh yeah, like I've been there. <laughs> and I've been there several times. This is probably the favorite thing of Moss to me that I've written, and uh, it's about a small town upstate New York called Watertown, New York. That's more than it deserves. Uh, I uh, I spent a week there one afternoon and uh, <laughs> I watched the time go by A week ago at the diner I stopped to get a bite And this here lovely lady She sat two seats from my right all right you see she was so damn beautiful that she could warm a winter frost but she looked long past lonely and well i found her lost uh oh, then that that track's got a swear in it that was big to me as like a seven-year-old eight-year-old if I oh, weren't really? so goddamn fat. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that... Sorry, Greg, I keep cutting you off. No, you're good. The You just reminded me, Ryan. One of the... I think my equivalent 
of this sort of music that you have with Harry Chapin is my mom always listened to Paul Simon's greatest hits growing up. It was like the same CD, yeah. CD, and it's not. I don't think it's the sort of music I would go to now nowadays. Uh, but I love that album. But I think it's because I've heard it probably like two hundred times. Beach Boys for me. Oh yeah. Are, so we're we're talking about this nostalgic. Like my parents listen to this, so that's why I know about it. The yeah. only reason I listen to it today. <clears throat> What's going to happen now that I mean I know that there's a resurgence in vinyl, so that's still going to be flying around. But CDs are falling out quick in uh, exchange for streaming. And all these kids, you know, they don't, they're not forced to listen to the same CD for 10 years, you know? Well, I mean, still the, it's not for me, all of my memories of like listening to the Beach Boys in Chicago was never uh, like my dad never handed me a CD and was like, here, son, go listen to this. It was always just riding in the car. Yeah. Right. It was always in the car. Mm-hmm. So now you still can do that as a parent. I'm definitely choosing the music. My kids can listen to whatever I want them to listen to. Right. Fuck them. But they're kids, they're e- children, they're dumb, they're small, their brains are small. <laughs> Even as the adult, you're still talking about, you know, 20 albums or like 20 artists you might like fly through here and there versus three cds that were in the car that's yeah <laughs> also i think i think artists nowadays and maybe this is just me not being able to see the forest for the trees but i think nowadays artists just don't stick around as long as they used to like there was like a decade or two or maybe even three where like the eagles were a thing um and nowadays like i feel like artists are coming and going like here's a new top song and you know but justin bieber's big for three years and then he's gone and I don't know who else who I can't even name one direction. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's definitely the, the, um, the, the consumption and disposal of those type of groups is at a much higher rate, but that just, uh, the cream rises to the, the top, right? Is that, that's the, no, that that's the, that's the saying. And, uh, cause you still got Beyonce who's been, you know, rocking but it for like 30 years. She's not the same. She's, she's, she's past her peak for sure. No, no, not a chance. Really? Her her peak has probably been the last 10 years. Okay. See, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, you don't, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> so my question, Ryan, Yeah. Um, since you, you're the one who has a special fondness for this, what is your favorite song and what's your favorite thing about the album? Cool. Uh, so as a kid, it definitely pulled me in at 30,000 pounds of bananas. That's what I, re- I read about that song and like that's what the album's known for. Did you read? Yeah. Really? And, uh, apparently it uh spawn this entire like in joke uh about uh they they'd make shirts that just said Harry it sucks <laughs> and they'd sell those at shows and shit um that's what his brother said right yeah so during the, what's really cool about this live bit is he takes us through him trying to write the ending for the song cuz how do you write an end to that song about this big ass semi truck whose brakes cut out, rolling down the hill, about to crash into the city center with 30,000 pounds of bananas in the load. How do you how do you end that? Like, that's a real story. How do you, how do you make that, you know, fit nice in a box? So he uh, sings a, a verse, you know, the end verse for his brother, who goes, Harry, it sucks. <laughs> and he goes back and writes something else, and he comes back and plays it for his other brother, and he goes, Man, I hate to, but I got to go with him. It, it sucks, man. <laughs> uh, and I I still don't know how you write a good end for that song because I don't think the real one is even that good. <laughs> uh, Yeah, and it makes me remember the uh, great uh, lettuce fiasco of Rochester, New York of uh, 2014. Anybody remember that? A huge tractor trailer full of cabbage 
spilled oh. over on 390 and blocked the entire highway for like four hours while they had to get all the cabbage out of the road. Wow. Is that why they got their name? Lettuce? Lettuce? The band? Yeah. What? No. No. What? Where'd you... I wasn't talking about the band. Oh, I, I was thought... talking about all this lettuce and cabbage that spilled all over <laughs> 390 in Rochester, New York. Oh, when you said... Well, you initially said the whole lettuce fiasco and I was like, oh, is that about the band lettuce? No. And they got their name. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that song is way too long for casual listening. It is you quite gotta, a bit. Isn't it like nine minutes? It's over 10 minutes long, um, on the live version. But while we're here, the, the, the part that always got me with this song was that it starts nice and slow up top. And as the verses roll, it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until <laughs> he, uh, goes to put the pedal uh, hit the brake and the pedal goes straight to the floor with no pressure at all and he goes Christ and then it just takes off and uh, what's it says here do 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 there's so many fucking words in this um, song I should have written these out ahead of time uh, do 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 oh there we go so it really takes off <clears throat> Do do do. Uh, <laughs> clipped off thirteen telephone poles, hit two houses, bruised eight trees, and blew across seven people. <laughs> it was then that he lost his head. <laughs> but you know, just a nice decapitation to end. Uh... <laughs> and it's wild. There were I, I don't know how true any of these reports are, but there were supposed eyewitness reports talking about him climbing out onto the side runners of his truck and waving at people with his hat to try and warn them that he isn't able to stop the truck. Uh, also rep a report that he jackknifed the trailer on purpose because he was barreling towards a auto service station with like gas pumps and shit. And it would undoubtedly make a huge explosion. Um, but he, he managed to uh, bring the truck to a stop without killing anyone but himself. Wow. Incredible story, worthy of a dedicated <laughs> song. Uh, but anyway, I liked. I mean, I just like that song. Sort of sums up how, um, I guess how fun his music can be. I guess, or, or I guess his personality shining through his music because he seems like a fun guy. Um, do you know anything about him as a person, Ryan? What do you mean? What's it? You know, long walks on the beach. You know? <laughs> no, but like, like. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, at least, um, the New Hope Press report says Harry Chapin was the most socially and politically active performer in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, one of Apparently, his... he was big into solving world hunger. Yeah. He was a huge humanitarian. Did a great job. He got a posthumous uh, gold medal. <laughs> it's posthumous. <laughs> That's the second time you've said that. Damn it. Posthumous. I don't know these words. I read them on the internet. Uh, he got some sort of like gold medal humanitarian award. Uh, congressional award i think it was uh after he died uh he's included on song collections such as like the last protest singers yeah he was very active in his community hmm. i feel like um it's uh, yeah it's just surprising to me that i've never really heard this guy at least it's not the name like everyone's heard cat cats in the cradle yeah right? but I, I feel like for some reason like there's still some some older bands that stick around with the youth nowadays mm -hmm. like if you say the eagles probably everyone knows about at least i've heard the band named the eagles right but i guess for for some reason this guy's name is sort of just lost the time but i feel like if i said 
like Greg, if you called up your dad right now and said like, oh, Harry Chapin, your dad would be like, oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to three shows. Um, Cats in the Cradle came on at the bar shortly (laughs) before we closed. And I asked like three people I worked with. They're like, do you know this song? They go, "Uh, yeah, I I recognize this song. I go, who's it by? And they all gave me a name that was not correct. Yeah. Um, They might have at one point recorded covers, but we were definitely listening to the Harry Chapin one. Uh, I want to go. You were asking me about what other songs I liked. Yeah. Uh, I really like Taxi, which was a really early hit of his. A Taxi Driver. Yeah, right. Uh, From what I understand, it helped uh, project the rest of his career. But it is about him, a taxi driver, uh, and he almost became a taxi driver. He he uh, uh, meant to take his license exam to become a taxi driver, but then he got a job uh, working for some sort of documentary maker and did that instead. Uh, So the song's about him as a taxi driver, uh, picking up a fare, and the girl... Uh, he doesn't recognize it first, but then they end up recognizing each other and they were like young lovers back in the day and, you know, them having their chat and talking about how they both got what they wanted um, when they actually didn't get what they wanted at all. And it, the, the song ends with, um, and here she's acting happy inside her handsome home and me, I'm flying in my taxi taking tips and getting stoned. And the mm, final line oh yeah. is I go flying so high when I'm stoned. Yeah. <laughs> like what a now way that's, that's some relatable stuff. What right a there. way to punch a career. <laughs> they played that on the radio. And here she's acting happy. Inside a handsome home And me, I'm flying in my taxi Taking tips and getting stoned I go flying so high When I'm I mean, everyone was smoking weed back then, right? It was grass. That's true. It was the seventies. It was the grass era. Nixon. When when did Nixon happen? Yeah. Let's not bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, right? <laughs> I'm just saying that's kind of what marked the end of yeah. weed. <laughs> Hippies. <laughs> is, is there anything else about this album you want to share, Ryan? Um, I don't think so. I think that's about it. Let me double check my when you notes. when you um. So you haven't listened to any of his other albums. When you think of Harry Chapin, you think of this album. Yeah, I mean, as I'm, there's several albums after this I should probably look into, but this you know, is kind of after this his is prime, like, though. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. And uh, there's su- it's this is in less than ten years. We're talking between seventy two and eighty is well, when yeah. he was making material. So from what I was reading, it was like from like seventy two to seventy six, he was at the height of his powers, and that this was like this was the last album of his that got any kind of recognition, and every album that was after this uh, never really got it going for anybody. Uh, I guess <clears throat> I just have two little notes. Uh, Cats in the Cradle started as a poem that his wife had written about the relationship between her previous husband and his father. Mm. Complicated. 
uh, I Want to Lear- Learn a Love Song is based on the true story about how him and his wife met. He oh, was nice. teaching guitar lessons and uh, she was his client and they fell in love and ran off together. Sounds like a BBB uh, complaint to me. You know, got to report that guy. He's touching his students. Uh, and he was introduced into the Granny Grammy Hall of Fame in 2011. And the Granny Hall of Fame yeah. Yeah. in 2012. Well, he never quite made it that far. <laughs> so that's all I got. Well, great. Do you guys want to dick or no dick? Or do you have anything else to say, Zane? I think that's it. Well, uh, I... Uh, oh, I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think if you gave me another year of me listening to this i would give it a dick <laughs> and i i, well, I, I mean like almost I, six weeks i listened to it a couple times and i think each each time i liked it more i should say a few times not a couple times um but i don't think i would ever choose to listen to this but if it was on in the background it, i it would be totally fine with it staying on you know um so thank you for i don't think i give review. it a dick <laughs> I don't I don't think I'd give it a dick, but if you let me marinate on it for a little while, I might eventually. Yeah, I'm not giving it a dick either, but <clears throat> not because it's not quality or anything like that. It's just not for me, and the timing was not right for me to open up to this. Um, but I don't hate on it at all, and uh, I completely empathize with your fondness for it as I have similar selections yeah. in, in my mental library. Word. Well, we all know how I feel it about it yeah big old dick <laughs> dicky dick dick well uh let's then move to the final pick which was mine um the more uh the more pick is always something a little different you know it's it's usually not movies and music but sometimes it is um <clears throat> this week i chose a podcast called the session with christian james hand do the same thing so they decided to write us for their fans that they were all all-stars so this song goes on to be that, and um, yeah, no, which is really cool. And Greg Camp was actually from West Covina, uh, SoCal. Uh, he said he wanted to write a song that was uh, he was interested in exploring the this the message of a social battle cry, battle cry, the sports anthem, the fan base affirmation, the poetic lyricism, and the sweeping melody of an inclusive statement. Jeez. Mission accomplished. Ooh. You know. So here's your drums. So good. This is Kevin Coleman, and this is a drum loop that he's playing over the top of, I'm fairly sure. And this beat is so good. Mm. These are white people. Grooving. <laughs> Prince of mm. Bel-Air. Uh. <laughs> right here. Groove. In the <laughs> it's a real cymbal, so you know it's a real drum set. Real hi-hats. Sample this business. And then at the end, it gets a little groovy with it. I love this hi-hat sound. I mean, podcast is kind of in quotes. It's basically a morning zoo radio show that brings this guy on once a week and does uh, about a 20-minute segment where he dissects famous songs uh, by their stems. um, Like, uh, per instrument, uh, he'll take out the drums, the bass, keyboards the the effects that are not just straight up instruments vocals and show how they all fit together in a nice neat puzzle um the the ones we specifically listen to how many times have you wished that you could do what he does oh and not many people can i don't it's i was even trying to figure out like read about how he does it and it's kind of like a 
I couldn't find a good answer for how he is able to do this. A trade secret. Yeah. So it's, you mean like logistically, like like the songs apart? Yeah, how he does that. Yeah. Because it's hard to do. Um, and people <clears throat> like the like those artists usually sell those stems. Because really, he's just taking the audio file and he's clearing it out outside of that. That whatever he's trying to isolate, and it's right. and I just don't understand how he does that for the most part. Um, but we I picked three episodes specifically to listen to, um, where he does the song "All Star" by um, uh, you know Smash, Smash Mouth, Mouth. <laughs> uh, "Wait and Bleed" by Slipknot, and "Boogie Wonderland" by Earth, Wind and Fire. Uh, let's before we go into each one, let's just do a general. Uh, reaction to the to what this is specifically because i think when i picked it i gave you guys a little bit of a heads up that it is a little bit morning zoo-ish um i have no idea what that means uh so like rover's morning glory oh you is, mean like a like a radio show that he's hosted on yeah well, just okay. like it's very corny exactly what you would think about for a, a drive time radio show mm-hmm. um and that if you can just ignore all of that that's happening around what he's doing, it's very enjoyable. And I had only listened to two episodes before I picked this, and I feel like I got I, I had a luck of the draw as far as that goes, because although I enjoyed what he's doing, sometimes his cast of characters was just a little too much for me uh, to enjoy these as much as I wanted yeah, I, to. I really like him. Yes. <laughs> his, his cohorts that are actually doing the radio show are fine. So <laughs> that's great. That's I, gracious too. I don't remember you saying it was morning zoo-ish and I wish I had remembered that because well, first I was surprised that it wasn't actually a podcast. Yeah, it was a morning like a show, like a radio show, and um, I really like the idea behind the show, but the, I don't know the execution of it is just I can't I can't do it. <laughs> I the, the, do it. The banter is what's just really terrible. But what he the execution of what yeah, he's doing his format when, cool. when no one else is talking and it's just him. His format so is good. great. And I and I will say that the couple other episodes I listened to, there was like more about the song itself. I I feel like Boogie Wonderland was my favorite one of these three because you got more of that. Yeah, he yeah. had a lot of notes on that one. Yeah, you just got like I like the episodes where you get a little bit more insight <clears throat> into the songs themselves, not just the deconstruction of it. That's my biggest complaint is that I feel like he didn't or they didn't provide almost any commentary on what was going on other than the amount of times I don't know who said it, but the amount of times the guy fucking said so good. Oh man. <laughs> Or, or like when, in the Slipknot episode, especially, he was like, so precise. Oh, dude. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I do they, wish the other guy, the, the other two were like laughed. more. Oh, that's what I was just about to say. Her <laughs> laugh could go jump off a bridge. Like, it's the most Christ. annoying laugh. I mean, it they, was so bad. They weren't great, but they didn't bother me that much. It was. I'm surprised to hear they bothered you that much. I just tuned them out, really. I do wish they were more Ryan, musically inclined, but. I thought you knew me better i can't tune this shit out you know me bud <laughs> it gave me more appreciation for rover's morning glory because i was like wow or maybe that's a whole harry chapin thing for me too who knows yeah, but i was right. like why why do i not find rover's morning glory nearly as annoying as these guys because these guys are just hamming yeah. it up so much like like i i don't like when people wrinkle their their you know their plastic paper in the movie theater the the idea that people are talking over this this music 
just drove me insane. <laughs> well, let's go into each one. Let's start with the all-star one. Uh, Leave Boogie Wonderland for last. I just want to uh, say right up front, I love your your mix of choices. You you picked a really good yeah. spread. You kind of hit all three of us in a way. I, I, I kind of attribute Smash Mouth to Zane in that it's like <laughs> weird and unexpected. What? <laughs> That's Why? Funny. Well, cuz you don't listen to Slipknot and Wait, he's got the Boogie one? Wonderland, so that leaves you with Smash Mouth. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's you are the odd man out. That's that, a good I have argument. Seen Shrek a lot. <laughs> uh, what a great movie and I, what a great soundtrack. Yeah, I you're did. more you're more Smash Mouth. <laughs> I did uh I tried to cuz I I listened to before this. I listened to um uh James Brown's um uh, the one that MC Sex Machine. Hit, the one that uh, the the MC Hammer ended up using for "Can't Touch This," um, oh. that that one was great, and I can't remember the other one, but that one specifically I liked a lot, which is what inspired me to pick it for this. Um, so st- let's start with All Star. This one was the my least favorite. It was also the shortest because they obviously didn't have a lot to say about it. Um, but it did give you a little insight to how, you know, even the amount of insight is definitely what did it for me. All those little bits and pieces that you would never realize were there. Yeah, exactly. Like that one, specifically that one guitar part that plays during the second verse. That's actually a really pretty guitar part that you just wouldn't, you know, Smash Mouth kind of gets a bad rap, even though I've seen them live at the Rochester International Jazz Fest and they put on a really, really fun show. Wait, yeah, really? Sure. Because I thought during that <laughs> same exact episode, he said that he saw them live recently and it wasn't good. Yeah, he did say that. He said they opened up for some other band that was around the same time. But I saw them. This was 2010 that I saw. Them That's now. true. A whole 10 years ago. Yeah. And this was just last year that these episodes came out. I think... Um... Yeah, the Smash Mouth one was also my least favorite. I, I I tried to figure out why. I think it's a combination of that one didn't have um, a lot of like you know insight or commentary or like background exactly. info. Yeah, but also I feel like I don't know which guy it was, but one of them was like so excited and impressed by Smash Mouth that I was like, this guy is either a fucking idiot. Or he's trying to sell me his shit so hard I can't get into this. Really? When, when he when he was listening to Smash Mouth, he's like, "Oh, dude, this is so genius! I can't like this is so impressive, man." I was like, "It's fucking Smash Mouth." Dude. See, that's just your bias though, because I that's what I liked about this is that it does uh, prove to you that even Smash Mouth that there's a lot of musicality going on and thought into yeah. this, and this is not just commercial garbage. That each instrument is playing its part and it is thought out and. Uh, if you strip away the, if you take away Smash Mouth from the artist name and it's just banned. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because I, I've uh, probably the top 10 most overplayed songs of all time. Oh yeah. I've just heard that song so many times. And what's interesting is every time one of them says, oh, well, can you even hear that in the mix? And then he plays it in the mix in the mix without it. And every time you go. Oh shit, that does make a difference. Oh yeah, he did that specifically with that guitar part I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I mean I I, I agree 100% with what you said Zane. The reason why I didn't like it as much is cuz he kind of just did his thing and that was it. Not a lot of story of the song. He didn't have a lot of a lot of nuggets about the song, but Creative I input. I did enjoy it. I liked the specifically the drum beat was interesting to hear how that all got put together and um and it is it's well thought out construction of a song you know it's a solidly um produced song where things 
are there's no overuse of anything really in this song. And they took a lot of like you look at some of those lines by themselves and you listen to them and you go, "Oh, that's kind of weak." But the way that it was produced into the mix enhances everything else including itself. So I was I was really impressed how you can take some like really meager lines and actually push out a really good product. Yeah, and you have to admit that when something gets as popular as that song did, it doesn't get that popular because everyone hates it. It gets that popular sure. because it's <laughs> it's catchy and it it's yeah, doing yeah. those things right. And people hate it because it's that popular. Because, yeah, yeah, I'm not, because I'm not criticizing can. the song. It's a fun song, but just it's don't ever mouth. play it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Weird. let's move to the second one, which was "Wait and Bleed" by Slipknot. I was so excited for this one. Yeah, because Slipknot music. Uh, there's so many people on stage, and how do you ever pull one part out away from another? Like. I especially how many there's like dreams if people had about being able to just hear the baseline from that song. Yeah. I feel like I mean I don't know much about Slipknot but I feel like there's five drum sets on stage at every given time. There can be. So the fact that he could strip down to one of them was pretty cool. Yeah, and Joey Jordison was a hugely influential drummer to me when I was in high school and middle school. So it was cool just hearing his parts first and I uh, I really enjoy it's like it was listening to these also kind of um reinstates my love for the drums because i feel like it's one of the coolest parts of the strip away maybe that's because i, I play drums yeah but somewhere between the drums and the bass yeah for sure yeah exactly i 100 percent agree <laughs> and it was like if i didn't play drums i'd absolutely play bass um and uh it just specifically how like in the slipknot one where all he did was play the drums and the vocal track together a couple times and that was fucking awesome wild i was like this is cool you don't need anything just and drums I, vocals let's go he Fuck mentioned that too how he had played it does he do live shows yeah. of him deconstructing why, stuff like, or? yeah he has his own website apparently he prints his website at the end i wonder if that's any better than this but this is kind of a service he does which is why he's brought on to the radio shows for uh, a do you know what what does the show comprise of like what is he actually is he just yeah, he playing? said the crowd kept going wild i mean anytime he was doing that drum and vocal line yeah and i he think, did it several times i think he just does exactly what he does on the show just without those idiots talking in between he's like talking to a crowd of people oh. um you've never been to a guitar center when an event's going on they'll no. set up like 10 to 15 chairs and then they'll have a guy with a microphone and then things going through sometimes they'll have musicians come and do stuff that's cool but even on on this on this podcast or radio show whatever he didn't i was expecting him to strip out parts and then eventually layer them until they got to the whole song as a whole he does, he does that. that i feel like it didn't it didn't he he only ever played a few parts and he went back and forth no he it got, uh on the, actually on the slipknot one he, oh. he didn't do like i i don't think he did a full run through where he like built and built and built and let it play out. Yeah. He that's when he went back and cut it back to the vocals and drums. Again. Yeah, I think it was because it was just metal music that he didn't do it, but he absolutely did it for Boogie Wonderland and mm-hmm. All Star. Yeah. yeah, dude. And every other one I've listened to. Oh, oh, we're not we're not done with Wait and Bleed yet. Well, yeah, I mean, we can move on from <laughs> it uh, just generally, but I did like how you um the the female she said something that I felt like was a, a Zane surrogate where she was hating on the music for being uh, all saying all the things Zane would say about metal music but then I don't know if it was her or some other guy was like when you strip it down it even though when I listen to the song it sounds like nonsense when you strip it down like this I can see how it's actually music yeah. and how and how the intention is there I will say also <clears throat> when they strip down whatever slipknot vocal guy whoever the singer is and yeah, it was Corey just Taylor. his vocals i was like oh this is actually 
pretty cool. Yeah, and then I liked how uh, interesting how he doubled himself. I I never quite there are a lot of those lines you hook into like one line like where he's screaming and you think that the other bit was some other mic some other person no it was him doubling himself it was really cool yeah and doubling himself singing and screaming at the same time mm-hmm. which gives his scream melodic tones which i really like mm-hmm. uh, unlike my- chester uh from like lincoln park who screams melodically he screamed and then add the vocal to give it that melodic which almost gives you like a drone versus melody which is super metal yeah super metal um my biggest critique i think of the whole thing and i it's i mean i i can't really critique the show it's not the show's fault i guess but so i guess a better way to phrase this is something i wish the show did that it didn't do is that it never played the source material like like as a whole for an extended period of time like if i'm unfamiliar with the song that they're talking about i feel like it it doesn't really you know appeal to me as much like i i know well, smash that's, mouth that's a good point uh i'd listened to several episodes that you hadn't prescribed and i only chose songs that i knew uh and yeah. granted if i went through there i'm probably not going to find many songs i'm not familiar with but I did not attempt to listen to a song that I don't know. And I tried so for, to pick songs that I thought you guys would know, even though I knew Wait and Bleed would be a little risky for you, Zane. Actually, both Boogie Wonderland and Wait and Bleed, I've never heard before. Really? I am so, so tired of Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> so the fact that I was listening to this music, like I those drum that drum stuff was fucking cool, but like I felt like I was missing out on context because I never actually heard the song. That's and I guess that's just my bad of not listening to the song first. And it's also a, a casualty of the fact that this is a 20-minute segment on live radio. Where I, that's true. Because uh, this is such a cool idea. I don't know why he just doesn't do his own podcast. Because mm-hmm. back in the... I can imagine he's well, been doing this... helps. Well, yeah. And I can imagine he's been doing this for years. And it's like a relationship he has with this radio mm-hmm. station to do it. But if he can strip these down to their stems, he has the technological know-how to do a fucking podcast. He could just do a 45-minute, half-an-hour thing where it's just him, and I would way more enjoy that than this. Well, I, I brought up last time, just at the very end, um, that this sounds a lot like, this is a lot like a podcast that I've only barely listened to called Song Exploder, Yeah, where they sit down with the actual artist of the song and they break down pieces and like, okay, what inspired this piece? You know, oh, this, this, I got this, I was listening to Bjork one day and that made me, you know, write this little melody. And I was, oh, I was sitting in the subway and there was this like little anecdotes like that. See, I, and then I like that, but I think what I like about the, what he does, I don't, I like that the artist isn't involved while I would mm-hmm. still like what you're talking about. The, what yeah. I like about the art artist not being involved is more pragmatic, more matter of fact, not so much of me embellishing and, you know, sure. jerking myself off about yeah, what a great I artist I am. I think, but if, if <clears throat> they actually did more, I don't, not even like analysis of the songs on this show, but like, I, I don't know, like just gave me something more than, oh man, so precise. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I would have liked that. Also what they do on Song Exploder um, is they play the actual song at the very end of each episode. And it's obviously they have the rights because the artist is right there and it's a podcast. And Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really like that. Cool. Well, let's move to the last one real quick. The Boogie Wonderland, which was my favorite. Earth, Wind & Fire, one of my favorite bands. 
Um, and this one was funny to listen to for multiple reasons. A, I feel he had the most information about this song of all of them. He, and he even knew what information he didn't have. Yeah. And it was one that has the most layers and is the most complex. So hearing <laughs> it all like built, 25 people had writing credits on that album or yeah, something like and that. Like he was all built up about the timpani, which I, I enjoyed every Hell time yeah. he brought about that. that timp- timpani was dope. I loved playing the timpani in high school. Dum, it was my dum, favorite. Dum, dum, dum. So uh, this was definitely my favorite. And I thought the context behind what the song was about was kind of unnerving. Right? And I never knew that, which kind of... Who would? That's a little weird. The, the, the like funky way they sing the verse yeah. off beat makes it really hard to like understand. So I've never known what they were saying. It's pretty dark. I guess I, I think he said what it was about like a woman who brings a Vietnam vet back to her house to like sleep with him. And he has sexual. He has an episode and, and like, like murders, murders her. Yeah. Murders and rapes her, you know, just a fun little boogie wonderland. And so <laughs> I guess that this is supposed to be like the power of music to shatter all the bad things that people feel and desire and you just come here and forget about that dance stuff it off. just dance it disco baby so uh, this is also my favorite of the ones that we listened to but again i was not familiar i only know september from earth wind and fire that is a tragedy and you need to fix it right and so the my the biggest and best thing i can say about this whole experience is i really want to listen to earth wind and fire now because <laughs> What I've heard of the song is fucking cool. Yeah, they're great. So uh, they're only um, one of the most influential funk yeah, disco bands yeah. to ever exist. I was yeah for sure. <laughs> I told you I was um, tired of this song, um, and it's it's all it's always been about that super high like boogie wonderland, and it's just it's really impressive. Do you and know it's really why cool. why you might be annoyed by this at all? Because it's really high. That's all it was. And I heard it so many times. I'm just tired why, of it. Why, do you know, why have you heard it so many times, you think? Because I work at that bar. Oh, it plays at the bar a lot? All the time. Oh. All I, the time. I used that sample in a song that I used at all the parties at, at Fredonia all the time. The ha, ha, dance. Well, I, I can tell you specifically uh, that is not why I dislike this song because I've had these feelings about that song for a long time. Because that's that was one of my favorite uh, mashups that I made incorporated. That, that was that a really bit. cool mashup. I enjoyed that. It's just that, that but it annoyed that me falsetto, that not falsetto, the tr- tr- tremolo, like bah! yeah, just over and over and over again, and it just drills into my ears. Yep, and uh, for me, when it got to that sample, that part of it, I, it kind of gave me shivers. I was like, oh my God, because I had listened to that part so many times before that it was just like a cold water on my face. It was like, oh, <laughs> right, this. But yeah, saying that, I was taken aback at how effective pulling all those parts was at allowing me to appreciate the song in a way I hadn't in a really long time. Yeah, well, and it's a perfect example of um arranging music where each instrument doesn't clutter the next one yeah the uh, like that perfect horn line yeah like horns don't need to be 24/7 the do little da do little just <laughs> that's all you need those little fills yeah because was- then you got things you know all over the place filling those gaps where there's like something played on every beat but it doesn't feel like there is because it's being shared and the fact that there were two different bass lines was really cool that mm. i had never realized like dueling bass lines right yeah the, and how they were panned from one ear to the other that was something i had never noticed before that was really cool 
I mean, yeah, I, I, again, my biggest takeaway is I like this music a lot. I want to stop listening to this so I can actually listen to the music because like, I, I don't know, like I got something better for you, Zane. I have What's a concert that? DVD. It's one of my favorite concerts DVDs of all time. And it's Chicago and Earth, Wind & Fire when they toured together. It's so good. And it starts with the two of them, the two bands on stage together. They play about uh, two songs of each band. And then Earth, Wind & Fire plays a set. And then Chicago plays a set. And then they come back out on stage and play their most famous songs together. And it is incredible. It's great. That sounds great. 24 or 9 to 5? Is that how that goes? 25 or 624? Nah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the amount of time... I honestly should have taken count over the course of these three episodes how many times this, <laughs> these fucking people said so good or so precise. Well, they don't know what they're talking... They, they have no know. idea. They're just... But why not? Be... At least, I feel like... Honestly, it made me feel kind of good about what we do. Like, like, we're not experts by any means. We barely know what we're talking about. But I'd much rather listen to this than those fucking people. That woman's poisonous laugh. It was awful. All the jokes, like the terrible innuendos. He needs to switch yeah. to decaf. How, do you think I, Do you think they have to talk like this? Because that's just the genre of radio they're doing, like shock jock. Yeah, it's I like, think that's it's, the way they talk, and they what, lend it to radio. I know. I think that they definitely talk different on the radio, and I think it's I think just they ham it up. it's just what works, you know. Because you got to imagine, like most of the time, people listening to those shows are only listening to them <clears throat> 10, 10, minutes. 10, 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> and when people are in waking up in the morning, going to work, they want energy, not you know they want to listen to people who have good energy. I feel like. But anyway, uh, yeah, I wish. Uh, let's stick or no dick. This I'm. It's hard for me. I, I kind of want to split my dick, uh, if you know what I mean. Really? Where like I want to give it a, I want to give it a dick because I every time it's just a Christian hand doing his thing, I really thoroughly enjoy that. And every time anyone else talks, I get really mad. So whatever that is, a half chub, a half pack of Rolades, six p.m. to midnight. It's just like <laughs> kind of a dick because of what he's doing. And if he just did his own thing, I'd love it. Uh, I watched, how, why would I say that? I listened to the aha episode and it was really cool, really insightful, uh, among others. Uh, I didn't have as many problems with the hosts as you guys did. And I recognized that they weren't as educated and they weren't exactly providing a whole lot, but whatever. They're just peanuts, eh? <laughs> so, well, and I think it'll, your mileage will vary episode to episode because definitely. the, the, I go listen to the James Brown one. That one is my favorite over all of these. And I just, they're not always as annoying. And I feel like I just picked some really annoying ones. Yeah. So it's uh, got a solid dick for me. What about no dick for me? No dick I, from Zane. I, um, I got through smash mouth and I was like, Oh, this must just be a bad episode. Cause this is a bad song. <laughs> but then I put on Slipknot and I was like, Oh, there's another 20 minutes of this. <laughs> Oh, I loved then, when they pulled the drums apart. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. And you could hear him like yell in the background oh, of yeah. the set because he like uh, he was saying he knew he was nailing it. He's like, yeah. That also made me laugh because they didn't realize a double bass drum pedal was a thing that existed. And she was like, how is this happening? How is it all happening at the same yeah, time? Yeah. He's like, well, well he I has mean, four limbs. When I was yeah, listening, was when I was listening, I looked out at my thing and every time it was like, 10 minutes left and the thing's only 20 minutes long 
So that's See, how you know I was not yeah, enjoying I, that time. I was. I'm s- closer to Ryan than I am with Zane on it, but I I empathize with the fact that those yeah. those other people are quite terrible people. Yeah. So no dick for me. But <sighs> listen, listen to Song Exploder because that's this, but better. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, the last thing we do uh, every episode is we pick our picks for next week. Um, I have the movie, right? Correct. Um, let's see. Uh, I have three movies and I don't know what I want to pick. I feel like I have a really good idea for all three picks to a special episode. So I'm, I think I'm going to keep one movie on the back burner. Um, and all right, you know what? I'm just going to uh, do it. This is this, we've been watching a lot of difficult movies, you know, a lot of, yes, we have uh deep movies, uh, not just difficult in, in the way that the high mountain, Holy mountain was where it's like weird, but just a lot of deep stuff, in, high drama, intense, yeah, high drama or like foreign yeah. films. You got to pay attention to. <laughs> so we're going to watch a movie that I have not watched in over 10 years. A movie that I'm sure is not going to hold up. And that okay. is going to be a, just a fun romp that uh, will be fun for me, even if it's not for you guys. We don't normally get that kind of admittance up front. Well, you know, it's a movie that I had the itching to watch like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to save this because it's been so long since I've seen it. And I've seen it probably four or five times. Uh, and I watch certain scenes from it regularly. And that is Nick Cannon's Drumline. All right, man. I'm going to be really surprised if this doesn't hold up, to be honest. Um, I have the music. Um, Is that right? Yes. I have the music. And um, this is uh, maybe a a pick out of left field for me. I think we've only done one other pick on the show in this genre. Um, But we're going to listen to the very best of Toots and the Maytals by Toots and the Maytals. Cool. Greatest Hits album. Well, and technically what I did, even though it was a live album, was a Greatest Hits compilation. What's but I guess that's always the, the what case kind of music for the concert, is it? isn't it? Reggae. Reggae, man. Respect sure... your neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just make sure this is, there's a lot of, they have a lot of compilation albums. This one's called The Very Best, Toots and the Maytals. Came out in 2000. Tubes in the Mayflower. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get that straight. <laughs> Um, okay, so for my pick, uh, we've had this one coming along for a while. I wish I had managed to pick it on the last one because I think the timing would have been more appropriate, but fuck it. We'll let that one alone. Uh, we're going to review uh, the Steam Controller. Uh, uh. And what I want you to do, uh, yeah, I'm giving you some real homework because this isn't exactly a plug and play um, solution. You got you to gotta make it work. Right, so I want you to pick one game, uh, preferably not a shooter, because it takes a lot of practice. To... A game that you normally would have to use a mouse and keyboard. Yes, for. it 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 you it would be better to choose something like an RPG or like Rocket a, League, a terrible game. Uh, I would not suggest it. Drive, no. yeah, not driving, like a, driving like... or uh, shooting games. Uh, I would avoid. Like an RTS or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, Diablo would be a good option. Or I hate RTS games. No, I know. I'm just giving you some some so. uh, options here. Uh, Diablo or 
um, spacecraft or Age of Empires. Space Invaders? Star- Starcraft. Yeah, sure. Spacecraft. You could probably you could totally use that for Space Invaders. All Space Invaders um, shit out of this. Yeah. It, it, the controller was designed to allow you to play keyboard and mice games in front of a TV without a keyboard yeah. and mouse. Um, so keep that in mind. There is a Reddit page, um, if you search it, with a whole bunch of facts, FAQs about how to get the controller working. Uh, it involves the big picture mode in Steam. If you have any questions, just let me know. Cool. Uh, but pick one game and make it work. Uh, you're probably going to have to practice a little bit because it's weird. It's weird. It's just unusual. How long? Is there like a minimum how long we should use this? I'm, I'm guessing more than one playtime. I just want you to be comfortable with setting up a play style that works for the game. Like okay. understand uh, the the levels. Like you press the button in and all of a sudden it changes all the keys. Um, just understand how the, the setup works. Uh, get a feel for that trackpad. They're really fun. Very versatile. <clears throat> Cool. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode of Three Dicks Picks. As always, give us a rate and review at uh, Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. You can check out our other podcast, Zane and my other podcast, Hypothetically Speaking, an improv comedy podcast that never puts out episodes anymore. Um, <clears throat> Zane, you got a blog? I have a blog uh, called prependingpost.com. Uh, on that blog, I talk about movies mostly before I watch them, while I watch them, and after I watch them. I just put up a post for The Holy Mountain. So if you want to read more about that and my thoughts, check it out. Um, there's a picture of a man's butthole being scrubbed on there. Great, <laughs> um, great, great, great. Also, I have a, a website called zainsayed.net. Um, I have some short stories and poems on there. My newest short story called Where the Sun Goes is out now. Check it out. Oh, yeah. And you can see some of my drum videos at Greg Root Percussion at Instagram and YouTube. Uh, you can also watch uh, the video. Gregrude.com? Nope, no Gregrude.com. Oh, that's weird. It works for me. No need to go to that. What did you make that go to, you idiot? Huh? What are you talking about? It's not cool, man. <laughs> I've already gone through this once with Steve. <laughs> uh, it's going to be... <laughs> All right, you know, I'm fine. I'm I'm cool with that. That's, that's, okay. that's good. Um <clears throat> Uh, also, uh, uh, one of the groups I'm in, Take 22, we put out a video, a cover of Brass Tracks, Everything I Got. And then the other group I'm in, Zach Joseph, we're about to release an EP here in about a month, uh, recorded it a while ago. I just got the demo tracks about a week ago, and they sound really, really awesome. So cool. I'm excited for that. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Peace bye. out.